Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 80 on the stress thyroid connection. Today's episode is going to be jam-packed with information on such an important topic that I see often overlooked in the medical field. We will be delving into how to optimize your thyroid gland, why dysfunction occurs, Hashimoto's thyroiditis and other inflammatory autoimmune actions in the thyroid, and how stress can really drive the steam train off the track. Yeah, so I think this is a really big one that is often either overlooked or mistreated, or just a total, total miss when it comes to thyroid function. So this is going to be a really great, really important topic for lots of our listeners. And for foundational information, you can head on over to episode 23, which is food as medicine to optimize thyroid function. So today we'll be getting into the role of stress on metabolism and doing a lot of connecting with the impact of the thyroid, as well as delving deep into the often referenced HPA access. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like we mention that as we always say all of the time. Yes. But today we are going to go really deep into it. So hopefully this will refresh <laughs> the physiological influence of that parasympathetic nervous system for sure. Yes. And, and connect the dots on how the thyroid is really intricately connected to that access. And actually it's the, it's the sympathetic it nervous yeah. system, not the parasympathetic, but pop quiz, sympathetic nervous system. There you go. <laughs> I didn't even catch you at all. Um, all right. So before we get started on today's topic, though, let's catch listeners up on what you've got going on, Allie, because I know we have some exciting updates. Yes. So as we've said in the last couple episodes, the anti-anxiety diet book has been sent off to my publisher and I am awaiting the official layout. I am going into, I think, the third round of revisions and drafts, and it is still on time to be out for July of this year. Hopefully, we will get some copies early for June. I really hope that I can be signing them in person at KetoCon. Um, so that's another exciting event we have coming up in the summer where I will be keynote lecturing on the anti-anxiety diet. Uh, Becky will be there. Our husbands will be there. <laughs> we will be vending naturally nourished supplement line and love to meet you all and sign copies of both the naturally nourished cookbook and hopefully the anti-anxiety diet. But even preceding that, I start to kind of kick off my anti-anxiety tour, if you will, <laughs> um, in April, in the next couple weeks. So next week is Paleo FX. If you haven't heard of it, it's an awesome event here in Austin, Texas. Uh, it, I would highly, highly recommend getting your tickets. We will be sure to put our link uh, for tickets in the show notes, and we will be promoting it probably this week on uh, Instagram and Facebook. You can DM us uh, at Allie Miller RD on Instagram for a ticket link. 
And it's always helpful when you can buy tickets through our links. Yes, those are affiliate links. And that means that that shows the event that we're doing our part. We also do get a percent of the profits, but you pay the exact same amount to the event, whether you go on their site or purchase through our links. So it's a great way to show our, our show support. Um, if you're enjoying the Naturally Nourished podcast, using our affiliate links is a great way for us to continue to put out valuable free information. So yes. Paleo, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and we've got some Houston-based events as well coming up for those yes. of you in Houston. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say Paleo FX has a really great um, lineup of keynotes. So Dr. David Perlmutter will be there. Um, we will be hearing from JJ Virgin, um, a, a lot of uh, Dr. Will Cole, um, a lot of experts. I will be on a panel for ketosis, a mastermind panel, and then I will be doing a keynote lecture on the anti-anxiety diet. So Definitely check it out if you haven't gotten tickets yet. And so many cool cutting edge products you will learn about um, at, at Paleo Effects, including all things like biohacking and food products and samples and, and all of the goods. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> and then in Houston, um, for those of you that are in the Houston area or not looking to fly across country for a big event like Paleo Effects or KetoCon, so April and, and June events, which are worth flying in for, those of you Houston area peeps, uh, I am doing an event at Kelsey Siebel Hospital System in May uh, on a Thursday evening, and then we'll follow up on uh, Friday morning at the Young Center in the Museum District, uh, which will be focused both on the anti-anxiety diet, a little bit of a different spin at Kelsey Siebel, be more to medical practitioners and the public coordinating with the brain-gut access and a GI doctor from their clinic. And then in the Young Center, which is based on Carl Jung's work and you know meditation and mindfulness and uh, philosophical kind of approaches, if you will, to mind-body connection, I will be lecturing on the morning and then also for uh, Food as Medicine Awareness at the Young Center in the afternoon. Um, so definitely check out. Tickets will all be available through our email newsletter, which is free to sign up for. If you aren't on it yet, you can hop on to AllieMillerRD.com. And when you sign up for our newsletter, you also get a free two-week food as medicine meal plan. So if you're not getting the newsletter, make sure you sign up for that. We also send out periodically coupons and recipes every week and um, always up-to-date up cutting-edge information. Yes. So, so, so much going on. I'll be sure to put the dates of all those events and links to where you can find more information in our show notes today. And I just can't wait to be a part of it all. And definitely if you're at one of the events, come and say hello to us for sure. Get a copy of the Naturally Nourished cookbook signed and give us a big hug and yeah. um, just introduce yourself. If tell we us, you yeah. Tell us of all of the awesome things that you're doing from the things that you've learned from us. Yes. <laughs> it always makes my day. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then one more thing we can't forget to mention our virtual ketosis program. Um, we're gearing up right now for our May 15th launch of this program. So this is the third iteration already. I can't believe it yeah. um, of our virtual program. And this is a 12 week program. We are doing bi-weekly or every other week lectures. That's bi-weekly, right? <laughs> it's defined in both ways. That's why it's so confusing. I know, it's so confusing. It's twice so, a week or every other. I'm like, just, yeah, yeah I know. I know. It's every other week guys. Um, so every <laughs> other week you get a lecture with Allie and questions moderated by myself. 
Um, and then on the off weeks, we do a Facebook Live with awesome information about troubleshooting your keto program. We've seen amazing, amazing results of weight loss, I think pushing like 50 pounds with yeah. our program participants at this point. Uh, hormonal reset. We've gotten a lot of mamas yeah. pregnant. Yes. Yeah, that have had yes. resistant PCOS, uh, which is fantastic. So we've seen fertility outcomes as success stories. We've seen a lot of non-scale victories beyond, yes, the like remarkable weight loss and body composition change. We've seen individuals getting off of their diabetic oral medications, reducing or getting off of their insulin. We have seen individuals having digestive health improvements and also improving biomarkers like C-reactive protein or inflammatory markers and just generalized feeling of improvement within their body as far as less aches, less pains, less fatigue. And my favorite line, which sounds so simple, but feeling like myself again <laughs> after, you know, kind of losing ourselves and, and feeling maybe like we're just kind of getting through the day-to-day function. So a lot of uh, successful individuals thriving um, versus just simply surviving. And we've now grown the private Facebook group over 200 and we welcome you in as a member so spots are filling up i think we have about 60 spaces left and this is in april that we're speaking um so definitely be sure that you grab your your spot now and we'd love to have you in this enrollment that starts may 15th there is a bundle option which is 199 and that includes the virtual program and both ebooks eat fat get skinny and ketogenic kickstart We highly recommend that because that's going to give you the tools to rock and roll and kind of hit out of the gates with all the foundational information you need. And then if that's cost prohibitive and you just want to do the program, the program is $169. So for just additional $30, you get both eBooks. And then the program on its own is $169. Yes. And you're going to want those eBooks. You're going to get jealous of your friends that have them and are making all these awesome recipes. So just go for the $199. Bite yeah. the bullet. Yeah. Um, but we'll be sure to link the program as well in our show notes. Like Allie said, it will definitely sell out. So be sure to grab your spot as soon as this episode airs. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into today's topic, the thyroid and stress connection. So first of all, Allie, let's get a little overview of the function of the thyroid, what it does, and why this gland is so important, why it matters. Yes. So the thyroid is a little butterfly shaped gland in the front of your neck and it manufactures hormones that regulate your energy growth and metabolism. That's kind of the most simplistic way of (laughs) describing it. Um, So the thyroid hormone works on many tissues in the body to regulate growth mechanisms, development, and energy utilization. This is why a lot of the symptoms of low thyroid or imbalanced thyroid are seen on like brittle hair or hair loss, changes in nails, because these are the areas where the body least prioritizes optimal function as far as it's going to prioritize ensuring that you have all of the energy required to keep your heart pumping, all of the energy required to keep your vital organs functioning, and things like hair, skin, and nails, which are some of the first signs of thyroid dysfunction, are the first to go to the wayside. Now, again, as Becky mentioned, we talk much more in episode 23 on food as medicine to optimize thyroid function on symptoms of thyroid dysfunction. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but just kind of giving you that connection of understanding there. 
So the thyroid gland is regulated by the hypothalamus, and that is the H of the HPA axis. When we talk about fight or flight mechanisms of the sympathetic nervous system. So when the body is stressed, we get imbalance on the H, P, and A axis, and the thyroid we'll talk about today is intimately connected. So directly, it is regulated by the hypothalamus and it is stimulated by the pituitary. Those are the first two letters of that HPA axis. So stress in the brain or stress as a mental stressor can have a huge hindrance on thyroid hormone function and production. When the thyroid is in production mode, it uses a series of chemical reactions and it uses iodine as a mineral to build components of the thyroid hormone. There are four different thyroid hormones and they're identified by the, the letter T and then their number. So there's T1, T2, T3, and T4. The ones that are commonly discussed in the medical field are T3 and T4. So the thyroid gland predominantly produces T4, which is an inactive form of the thyroid hormone. And this then needs to be converted into the active form T3. And uh, the thyroid requires, as I mentioned, iodine to produce thyroid hormone. The difference of T4 and T3, T4 is often termed as thyroxine and T3, triiodithyroid. Um, and these are going to be based on the amount of iodine present. So T4 is deiodinized, or meaning one iodine molecule is removed to activate it into the T3 form. So interestingly enough, a lot of people go to first line of defense, oh, I should take more iodine to make my thyroid function. But if you're making ample T4 and you're not converting it into T3, it's definitely gonna be other minerals you're gonna wanna look into versus iodine because again, T3 actually has less iodine than T4 has. Interesting. So don't just run out and buy iodine supplements. We yes. Don't. <laughs> yes. I see that all the time. So I just want to kind of call that out. And then, you know, thyroid imbalance is, is on the rise for sure. For many reasons. One of them is because of the ubiquitous presence of endocrine disrupting compounds. And, you know, Becky and I talk about that a lot in various episodes, but we primarily see women as being affected by thyroid disorders it's a ratio of about eight to one, some say 10 to one of women to men that are affected. But um, we're seeing over 20 million Americans as an estimation now being affected by thyroid disorders. And more than 90% of hypothyroidism are cases of Hashimoto's autoimmune thyroiditis. And it's often overlooked. So 90% of people with hypothyroid actually have an autoimmune inflammatory disorder. Yes. And, and the crazy thing about that is it can happen so far in advance of actually seeing, you know, true function loss of uh, thyroid hormone or, or even seeing anything on a typical thyroid panel. We can have this autoimmune influence that's kind of going on in the background and not even realize it or just kind of yeah a few symptoms here and there, but not put together the pieces. And, and so often it's undiagnosed autoimmune disease. And that's why I really like to harp with today's episode on the stress connection, because we know that stress has such an integral role to the function of our immune system and also to the mediation of inflammatory chemicals in the body. So if we're doing a 
good assessment on the thyroid, which we'll talk about in a moment, and we're looking at the right biomarkers or lab markers, that's when we can get sensitive information to know how to be aggressive. And like you said, we can see presence of Hashimoto's thyroiditis before we see the T3 or T4 demonstrated as hypothyroid. Um, so you can see inflammation to the gland or, or activity of imbalance in the gland before you see low output on the markers that are typically run. And most doctors only run TSH, which is the thyroid stimulating hormone. Um, so that does not directly tell us the production. Um, and then some doctors will run just TSH and free T4, um, again, or, or total T4, um, which would be even less important information. And so we're really not seeing on most people the markers. And in a general explanation before we go on, hypothyroidism basically means underactive thyroid gland. So for those individuals, they're putting out too little T3 or T4 or both. Um, and they tend to have a high TSH because if you're underproducing, your body should be signaling more stimulation. So the TSH stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. So when you have a high TSH and too little T3 and T4, that is hypothyroidism. Um, hyperthyroidism, which is much less common, you would typically have too much T3 or T4 and you would have a very low or suppressed TSH. Um, and so we would see this often in a lab value when someone is over-medicated. But there can be, for instance, autoimmune conditions like Graves' disease, which can put you into hyperthyroid disorder as well. Awesome, I think that distinction is, is really helpful. And again, that the hypo and the Hashimoto's are probably what we see more often yeah. clinically. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So with your recent immersion in all things anti-anxiety, um, <laughs> I know you made a big call out to the connection of stress and anxiety as drivers of gland dysfunction. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, and, and we connect this in our virtual ketosis program as well, because stress and anxiety can put the brakes on your primary metabolic metabolic gland, which is the thyroid. So when we are in fight or flight mode, that sympathetic nervous system is going to want to reduce our body's caloric burn so that we can survive. I mean, thinking of the mechanisms of survival, when we are in fight or flight mode, that used to mean that we may not have access to food and that we are going to be over outputting energy because we would be running from <laughs> whatever, a cheetah or, or whatever. Um, and so in modern day society, the concern is that our stressors are not survival based and um, they're often mental stressors or they could be dysbiotic stressors based on, you know, bacteria or yeast overgrowth or, you know, other pathogens. But regardless, they're generally not going to be metabolically stressing as far as putting out excess calorie burn. We're not running. Um, so we're not fighting or fleeing. And so when we're more sedentary and we're stressed in rush hour traffic or we're stressed going through a divorce or we're stressed meeting deadlines at work, these are going to be a different physiological demand. Um, and these are going to still put the brake on the metabolic gland and those can drive 
increased weight gain, body fat gain, and thyroid gland dysfunction. And I do want to note, there can be physiological stressors also by choice. So they may not be survival-based, but like over-exercising um, or over-training could be another mechanism where we overstress that fight or flight mode of the body, but that would be a physiological demand. And still, a lot of times the body puts the brakes because we go into starvation mode. Yeah. So it's so cool. I mean, the body is, it's really just trying to survive and adapt. <laughs> it's, it's an adaptive mechanism. And so, uh -huh. you know, just to highlight this, it's not like your body is rebelling against you when these things start to go off. It's actually your body trying to survive and giving you those early signals of like, hey, something's not right. Right. And, you know, often stress or anxiety, I mean, a big push of me putting out the anti-anxiety book is because when we're working with patients and maybe we run a functional thyroid panel, often when we're always looking at treating the root cause of chronic conditions, my new mantra <laughs> that I've been saying a lot is anxiety is the Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it, it, it can be that underlying mechanism that really puts the brakes on our metabolism. You could be eating the perfect macro balanced diet, um, you know, or you could be perfectly managing whether it's a paleo or ketogenic or whatever you're following. And it could be in the books perfect. But if you're dealing with chronic stress or anxiety, your thyroid is going to put the brakes on your metabolism. That thermostat and metabolic gas tank are going to shut down. And beyond dr driving a change in your caloric burn, the thyroid can influence your system causing mood instability, chronic fatigue syndrome or low energy, um, insomnia and sleep issues, digestive dysfunction, and so much more. Yes. So, so, so interesting. And, you know, like you said, a lot of these things can be a little bit self-induced, like the yeah. over-exercise or even, you know, thinking about stress of over-restriction of food or totally. obsessing and being too, you know, tightly wound, like you say. Uh-huh. Um, that can be a source of stress and anxiety in itself. So it's perfect a, eating. Yeah. Perfect yeah. eating syndrome can be a stressor. And, you know, so often we'll work with clients where it's like, yes, we want you to track. And that's also where in our, in our virtual ketosis program, we like our clients to be intimate with an exchange system. So they understand what they're doing in their body without having to be so quantitative um, as far as numbers and calculating, because if you're so married to numbers, you are not honoring and nourishing your body. Yes. You got to kind of release. <laughs> got to release to let that thermostat turn back on. Otherwise, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, so let's go deeper into the mechanisms of metabolism. As you say, Allie, stress and anxiety can just put the brakes on that primary metabolic gland that is your thyroid. Yes. So, you know, the thyroid is regulated, as I mentioned, by the hypothalamus. And it is stimulated by the pituitary. So that HPA access is a intimate driver of, of the function. Um, you know, two of the three glands of this HPA access play a direct role. And then there's indirect feedback, actually, because cortisol made by the adrenal, so even the A of the HPA access, when there's cortisol output, cortisol reduces the conversion of the inactive T4 into active T3. So actually all three you know, mechanisms of this HPA axis, we could say, influence the thyroid. So I'll do a little breakdown of each 
gland and what it does. And then we'll kind of retie up how it drives thyroid function and then we'll, we'll move on because I promised you guys I would revisit the HPA axis. So our hypothalamus in the brain regulates our body temperature. It regulates our circadian rhythm. So our energy cascades, our sleep cycles, it regulates our metabolism and satiety. In fact, most of our leptin, that's the hormone that we talked a lot about in episode 75 with carb cycling and ketosis, uh, leptin predominantly targets the hypothalamus in the brain. So satiety and appetite is regulated by the hypothalamus. And we see with eating disordered clients, that they have a lot of hypothalamic dysregulation. Um, and then of course, the thyroid releasing hormone, which is the TRH, not often spoken about, but the thyroid releasing hormone is made by the hypothalamus. So that tells the thyroid gland to release after producing the thyroid hormone or to produce more. Um, then in the pituitary, also in the brain, we see regulation of our antidiuretic hormone. So this is where we can see fluid retention. Um, so we can see like puffiness in the body or excessive thirst or shifts with urinary output, either not urinating enough or excessive urination. We can see uh, thyroid stimulating hormone, of course, made by the pituitary. So that's that TSH that many doctors run only <laughs> to assess the thyroid, which is so interesting because often what we see when we look at a thorough eight-point thyroid assessment is that the TSH can be thrown off based on pituitary dysfunction, not a dysfunctional thyroid. So, you know, if a different gland is not balancing, it could be based on the stress axis itself. So the thyroid stimulating hormone is made in the pituitary, not made in the thyroid gland. I just like to kind of shout that out. Um, but it is supposed to regulate based on the amount of thyroid hormone present in the blood. Again, if you make too much thyroid hormone, the TSH is supposed to drop. And if you make not enough thyroid hormone, the TSH is supposed to increase. So that's one of the direct connections of the thyroid there. The pituitary also regulates our human growth hormone. Remember the HGH diet? Um, and so that plays a huge role in our metabolism as well. It regulates our progesterone stimulation. Actually, our, our uh, FSH and our LH, the primary uh, fertility hormones, are made in the pituitary. Um, and then oxytocin, which is our reward, bliss, libido drive, um, all regulated by the pituitary. And then, of course, goes without mentioning, which I didn't mention in the hypothalamus, our hypothalamus and pituitary also drive the adrenals. So there's something called ACTH, which drives our uh, cortisol release and stimulates the adrenals. So in the adrenals, in our adrenal cortex and our adrenal medulla, the cortex makes our steroid hormones aldosterone, which regulates our blood pressure by regulating sodium. So we often speak to the importance of sodium with the adrenal fatigue and adrenal dysregulation. Cortisol, one of the stars of the show, is another corticosteroid made by the adrenals. Um, and so when cortisol is too high, that can suppress our immune system. Um, it can also drive fluid retention um, and it can reduce inflammation. When then too low, we see more inflammatory cascades or more inflammation in the body, more seasonal allergies in the body. Um, and then DHEA is also made in the adrenal cortex, and that plays a big role with our sexual hormone function and our stress resilience or recovery or rebound. 
DHEA is also an important player with ketosis because you use DHEA as a building block to produce ketones. And then in the medulla of the adrenals, we make our neurotransmitters called catecholamines. And these are stress-responding neurotransmitters, norepinephrine, epinephrine, and dopamine. So these influence our stress, our anxiety, our multitasking, our professional drive, and then even things like insomnia. Awesome. So I guess to summarize here, um, let's bring in how, how the thyroid is connected to all this. But what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, if we have dysfunction in any of these three areas, that could actually be what's driving the thyroid dysfunction, not the thyroid itself that is defunct or defective. It could be another area of the stress. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Let's tie it all together and um, speak to how all of this ends up influencing thyroid function. Yeah, because there was a lot of beepu bapu in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of lot of polysyllabic phrases. Um, so yeah, colon means guys. Yes. <laughs> ah, Becky's in the background uh, crunching down some gabacom and calm <laughs> and clear. Um, so yes, so the hypothalamus, you know makes our thyroid releasing hormone. So if stress is mismanaged or if you're dealing with chronic anxiety, your hypothalamus will not make as much thyroid releasing hormone. So that means that then your thyroid, your thyroid gland will not produce as much thyroid hormone. So that right away is a direct connection. The pituitary again is the maker of the thyroid stimulating hormone or the TSH. So if under chronic stress or anxiety, the pituitary won't appropriately regulate the thyroid stimulation. So we'll have typically a low TSH. So it's not stimulating or kind of telling the gland to output. And then again, the adrenals, if stress is mismanaged, will focus their energy on cortisol production and output, and that blocks the conversion of your T4 inactive thyroid hormone into the active T3. It also creates or drives more amount of reverse T3, which is basically the brakes on the gas tank of your T3. So reverse T3 is another marker that we like to look at, and if that is elevated, that means that your your active thyroid hormone is going to be suppressed. So the adrenals work to kind of shut down the, uh, I would say, activation and expression of the thyroid hormone. The pituitary influences the stimulation of the thyroid hormone, and the hypothalamus influences the actual production and release. Okay. I think I got that (laughs) simplified. I hope. I don't know. (laughs) I'd have to go back and listen to that a couple times, but I think I got that. Um, So let's, before we talk about how to actually address the thyroid gland, prevent burnout, Let's talk about assessment because we spoke to this before how often, you know, certain markers can be just totally glossed over or mixed, uh, missed, and most practitioners don't run a comprehensive thyroid panel. So what are the important markers? And then let's speak to functional ranges as well versus just kind of the ideal ranges that most practitioners use. Yeah. And I really hope that this podcast can be a good tool for you guys while you're driving home from work or walking. And so even though there's a lot of density to it, you know, I don't want you to feel like you have to frantically be pausing and writing notes. So I will reference you guys all over to my blog article called the stress thyroid connection. And in there is a list of the biomarkers as well as a link 
to purchase our thyroid assessment. Um, so you can purchase our thyroid assessment and um, that's going to include, like I said, eight different analytes. And that will have written down the numbers of the ideal ranges. But in general, I would like you to have, I want to look at the TSH, but that's not the only thing to look at, right? So there's the TSH, the free T4 and free T3. We like to look at the free thyroid hormones because that's what's actually available to be used as like a lock and key mechanism. Um, so it actually is what can dock to the gland. So free T3, free T4. Your TPO, which is your thyroid peroxidase, and your thyroid antiglobulins, um, these are going to be demonstrating if you have autoimmune activity or inflammation to the gland. So I absolutely recommend getting those run in a panel. Because again, Becky and I said, those can show phase first of imbalance prior to getting inactive um, function on the actual gland with, with imbalance in the T3 or T4. Um, we like to look at also the thyroid globulin and the thyroxine binding globulin. All of those markers are included in our panel and in my blog is the ideal ranges. Other things you might consider to add on would be that reverse T3. I also like to look at ferritin because iron plays a role with the thyroid hormone and often low ferritin values can drive similar dis dysfunction in the body. I like to get your vitamin D levels optimized because vitamin D supports thyroid hormone function. I like to check inflammation with the CRP. And then we may even look at like a salivary assessment if we know HPA axis is involved, looking at the DHEA and the cortisol. Okay, so we won't ramble off a number list yeah, for you. Yeah, I just think that's not going to be helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so just bearing in mind that even, you know, if, if your doctor went over a thyroid panel with you and said, oh, your TSH is normal, uh, we actually have kind of narrower range yeah. that yeah. we reference where we want you to be, you know, not just within range. because that range to 4.5. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less than 2.2. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that range is, is based on an entirety of population that's ever done that test. And, and that doesn't mean it's optimal and where it should be. Yep. And a lot of those people are sick or feeling exactly. crappy. We want exactly. you guys to feel amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So definitely reference that blog. I'll make sure it's in the show notes. Um, so in terms of addressing this holistically, um, reducing stressors and just putting positive environmental support out there for stress reduction, I think is key. Um, sleep is really important. Exercise, mindfulness, meditation. Let's talk about all of those things and, and yeah. kind of what you would highlight as most important for optimizing thyroid function. Yes. So sleep is super important. Getting seven plus hours of sleep is, is, going to be a big priority. And I'm going to just stop there because next episode is all about insomnia. <laughs> so dun, 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 tune in next week um, and you will hear all about how to support optimal sleep, but you need to be getting seven hours of sleep because that is what's going to be giving primary feedback to that hypothalamus, which is really the first gland of function that drives your thyroid. So sleep. Um, focusing on resistance training with cadence, gentle movement therapy, stretching and walking as your primary exercise. I really recommend reducing the high intensity interval training, high stress activity output, because that can overdrive the uh, metabolic physiological demand, which then the thyroid tries to compensate and kind of reduce output um, as your base demand. So if we're trying to rebound either our adrenals or our thyroid gland, I definitely recommend finding more cadence and reduced 
high intensity output because that's only going to perpetuate that stress response and burnout on the thyroid. We also want to address the mental piece so that ever wild stallion of the brain <laughs> that has, you know, racing thoughts uh, or, you know, difficulty concentrating or list making and what ifs. We want to regulate anxiety and we want to work with things like mindfulness, meditation, affirmations. Um, these can play a huge role in rebounding and optimizing your thyroid function. So working on um, taking pending tasks off your racing brain and implementing timelines or strategy, setting SMART goals that have specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timelines um, so that you can kind of put things from pending into action mode, that can also help to reduce the stress that we put on ourselves. It takes away that what we should be doing into the what we are doing, so we start to feel more accomplished and less overwhelmed by our day-to-day -day needs and tasks. And then um, we also want to ensure that we practice things like deep breathing, maybe yoga practice, and I, I work with clients a lot with mantras because I really find that surrendering to the what we need to do into the what we can do can help to put at peace of mind the ever overwhelming tasks lists that many of us have. So instead of, oh, I have to do this, 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 I am gr practicing gratitude and mantras of, I am grateful that I have the ability to do this, or I am capable of doing this. Reframing the needs can be so helpful. And across the board with all of this mental stress and anxiety comes adaptogens and nervines. So our tools of supplemental support to help to strategically get us out of the woods as we're working the lifestyle elements. Because if we're in overdrive mode, we need a true break on that gas tank so that we can still be making the metabolic fuel and not hindering on a metabolic gas pedal, but we can stop the racing and the rumination. And we will talk about supplements in a moment. Yes. I think that is so powerful though. Just kind of you know, taking a little bit of the pressure off of yourself because the ten tendency can be, especially with our type A folks, which is probably <laughs> most of our patients yeah, uh, and most of the people we see this HPA axis dysfunction and most of the people that we see thyroid dysfunction in, uh, the tendency can be, oh, I'll just push harder. I'll just restrict more. I'll just exercise more. I'll put more on my plate. I can handle it. And what we're saying is no. <laughs> Yeah, Your yeah. body is, is telling you something. Right, right. What am I doing wrong? What can I do more of? And you might need to, just to be clear, you might need to do more of for a short period of time, more of taking certain supplements like our Calm and Clear or an adaptogen, and we'll get into those in a moment. You might need to add things to buffer, like I said, and that would be a more, but you don't want to take on more as far as I'm going to do more exercise. I'm going to restrict more in the diet. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where we just get this kind of layering onion peel, if you will. The cortisol builds up that continues to pump the brakes and it leads to more frustration, less sleep, and just a whole crapshoot of influence. And we really want you to get into a less is more influence. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about diet and how we can reduce stress impact on the body on even a diet level. Yeah. So the first thing I recommend specific to the thyroid is absolutely going gluten-free and uh, reducing grain consumption in general. So 
Gluten-free is really essential because gliadin, which is the protein in gluten-containing, uh, in, in uh, wheat, containing gluten grains, um, it, gliadin is going to interfere with our thyroid function and it mimics the thyroid hormone. Um, and it can also drive inflammatory compounds by that zonulin protein unlocking um, the gut lining. So we've talked about that in prior podcasts as far as how gluten can drive more leaky gut, which means more foods and chemicals in general that we eat, even if they're healthy foods, could cause inflammation in the body. And then there actually is that interference with gliadin and the thyroid hormone. The thyroid hormone is very close mimicking of the gliadin protein particle. So we can get a lot of thyroid inflammation and a lot of issues with thyroid binding. So absolutely bar none gluten-free, and then you might even consider going grain-free um, to help to support that you get more antioxidant-rich foods, and um, you can get fibers from more plant-based and nuts and seeds versus the grains themselves, and B vitamins from your animal proteins as such. So we might consider reducing the grains for a couple reasons. One of them is the connection of dysbiosis or candidiasis and thyroid dysfunction. Um, if a client has a history of yeast symptoms like vaginal yeast infections, thrush, they've been on antibiotics in the last two to three years, or have dysbiosis of bacterial imbalance with constipation, loose stools, or bloating, I often preliminarily will start them on my candida cleanse. This is going to help to plow the gut of the microbiome, so even if it may not be yeast, the candida cleanse can be used also generally for dysbiosis or gut imbalance. And so following the six-week protocol will help to kind of plow the garden bed to allow resetting of good, healthy gut bacteria. And then if we see that we have influence on a immunological level, like the TPO was elevated or that um, thyroid antibody was elevated, I might take it even a step further. We know that there can be antibodies released in the bloodstream from leaky gut. Um, and this can be based on gluten. It can also be based on irritants from bacteria or yeast, but it can also be based on dietary irritants and chemicals from otherwise healthy foods. So if we're having an autoimmune flare, I highly recommend our blood test, that MRT test, um, which we'll put a link in the show notes, and that would help you to strategize specifically a anti-inflammatory diet for your body. Awesome. And then therapeutic foods to support the gut as well could be tied in there. Yeah. So, I mean, beyond plowing the biome and then working to re-proliferate good gut bacteria with probiotic-rich foods um, and then uh, working with prebiotic foods as well, like asparagus and garlic and onions, uh, we'd want to work with bone broth this whole process because bone broth is going to help to seal the tank of leaky gut. So as you're working on the gut microbiome or as you're working on an elimination diet or starting to go gluten-free, healing the gut with bone broth will be very beneficial as well because that means less leaking into the bloodstream, which means less inflammation. And then on the stress connection, working with things like matcha, uh, green tea powder, which is going to have L-theanine, that can help with reducing our stress output of those catecholamine stress chemicals. Um, and then 
pretty much every recipe in my upcoming anti-anxiety diet book, which includes really fun stuff like turmeric gelatin gummies um, and Mary's that things that are anti-inflammatory and antioxidant rich. And I think we'll give you a couple more recipe ideas at the end of today's episode. Yes, we sure will. Um, so if we're working to address lifestyle and diet stressors, um, what about supplements to support the HPA access, provide building blocks, and reduce inflammation? Because most likely, if you're listening here and, and dealing with some of this stuff, you're going to need some sort of superhuman supplemental support, at least for a certain period of time. Yeah, like we said, women are higher affected than men, and often women's thyroids go a little wacky during times of stress. So we'll see like around times of marriage, divorce, on both ends of the spectrum, <laughs> both could be equally as stressful. Yeah. Um, and then we also see your dynamic hormonal changes. So, you know, like menopause and also uh, postpartum. So uh, we see a big impact during those times and we need during increased demand to give our body the support so that that gland doesn't get punched or beat up by the stress that we're influenced by. So my first line of defense specific for the thyroid, especially those that are stressed and tired, is the adaptogen boost. The adaptogen boost has three well-researched adaptogens and these are plant compounds that help the body in its resilience to stress demand, helping with stress-induced fatigue and preventing oxidative damage. So adaptogens also have antioxidant capacity and this formula specifically helps the thyroid because it helps with stress-induced fatigue, giving some natural energy so that that thyroid hormone, the thyroid gland doesn't have to keep shunting out thyroid hormone to be that gas, if you will, for the tank. Um, so it includes cordyceps, panax ginseng, and rhodiola. These three in synergy create a beautiful formula that help us to adapt to stress, improve our energy, and reduce the thyroid burnout. It's appropriate if you have hypothyroidism, it's appropriate if you have hyperthyroidism, or if you're yet to experience thyroid dysfunction and just know that you're under high stress. Awesome. And then I think another favorite would definitely be calm and clear, which we yes. talk about all the time. Okay, yeah. We're both on like six to nine of those a yeah. day. <laughs> and I want to just PSA right now. Um, if you guys listened to my super, super long episode, I think it was episode 77 or 78 on um, my autoimmune story. At that time, I had just run my blood. I just got back. I'm so excited. Um, my, I, I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and I just got back my thyroid um, report. And my TPO is now negative, as is my antithyroid globulin. So I'm in like full-blown remission, and all of my thyroid uh, hormones are within an optimized functional level. And I've been under pretty much stress. <laughs> I was going to say, especially yes. given the stress of the book coming out, uh -huh. I mean, that speaks volumes and too. I know you were super tight on supplements. I was going to say, yeah, I have to be honest that my sleep has not been optimized because of all of the demand. But the one thing that I have been like gold star overachiever on has been my supplementation and adaptogen boost. I was not taking for, I was taking calm and clear, but I added an adaptogen boost at four a day. And I'm, I can just say from my labs that I saw a remarkable change. So that's what I say there. Calm and Clear is a fantastic tool. 
um, that has a combination of adaptogens as well as nervines. So adaptogens help us to be resilient to stress. Nervines actually help to calm down that anxiety or stress response. The Calm and Clear also has that L-theanine that I mentioned, which is in matcha tea. L-theanine helps to modulate or basically kind of pilot our neurotransmitter expression so we don't make too much or too little of one compound. And then it does have a combination of B vitamins. So the Calm and Clear is a very good foundational formula that blends herbs as well as nutritional compounds. So it has that amino acid L-theanine, the B vitamins, and then a little bit of magnesium in there. Um, and magnesium is super important, and that's when I'd recommend next our relax and regulate. Um, so magnesium plays a role in 300 different enzymes in the body. Uh, Magbisglycinate is the most bioavailable form. Um, it helps with reduction of tension in the body and depth of sleep and optimizing our circadian rhythms, reducing excessive cortisol expression. So that could be enough to pull that break off of that conversion of the T4 into T3. So magnesium would be more important to optimize over iodine if you're not converting your T3. So that would be the relax and regulate. And it has so many other fun functions, um, but it can reduce inflammation and optimize your thyroid conversion is a big picture there. And then the last thing on a uh, stress connection before we go into other nutritional connectors would be our cellular antioxidants. And this has glutathione, which is the antioxidant powerhouse in the body. Um, it plays a big role with reducing free radical um, expression. This is another one that I knew added on and before I got my negative in the Hashimoto's record, uh, record just as of recent. Um, and I think that played a big picture because glutathione can reduce your TPO. If your thyroid peroxidase is showing oxidative damage or inflammation to the gland, and you start taking the granddaddy antioxidant in the cellular antiox formula, that's gonna really help to protect the gland from inflammation stress. And it does play, we've seen in research specifically, N-acetylcysteine, which is the other compound in our formula, along with glutathione, plays a direct role in deiodinization or activating that T4 into T3. Um, so a really great foundational formula as well. Awesome. So those are our formulas that would be more for optimizing stress and, and function of the gland under stress. Um, let's get into what some of the anti-inflammatory go-tos would be if we are seeing influence in terms of like that elevated um, TPO, for example. Right. So I would still start with cellular antioxidants, adaptogen boost, and the relax and regulate, and then you know um, the calm and clear as our first line of defense for TPO. And then I'd consider looking into the MRT test. I'm going to list two anti-inflammatories, and three micronutrients that you guys can look into on your own. So I'm not just talking supplements all um, episode, and we can get into food as medicine. But for anti-inflammatories, I like to look at our super turmeric, which is fat-soluble and has four to six times the amount of bioavailability of turmeric formulas on the market. Even when we look at those that have the biopurines or black pepper, super turmeric does not have the gut irritation, but much more availability. So that's an awesome anti-inflammatory, as is our EPA DHA, which has a super potent amount of omega-3 fatty acids. On a micronutrient level, you have to have your bases covered. So I'd recommend our multi-defense, which has a, a mineral blend and bees in their methylated form. If you know you run low in bees or you know you're under chronic stress, that's where that calm and clear can help to also give you additional B support while managing the stress output. I also see a high trend of vitamin D deficiency in clinic. 
with hypothyroidism. So uh, getting on a good vitamin D, like our vitamin D balance blend, which also includes K1 and K2. And then considering selenium support. Um, I like the form selenomethionine, and that's one of the big, big minerals after, or maybe equally as important as magnesium in the conversion of the inactive T4 into the active T3. Yes. And, and I'll link to all of these formulas that we've alluded to in the show notes, just so you guys don't miss any of this, because I know we're, we're cruising through a lot of supplements today. Um, and the other thing to speak to is the, the micronutrient panel as a way yeah. to assess. So this would be probably secondary to doing the MRT for somebody who's dealing with more of the inflammatory thyroid disease. Um, we would yeah. look at a micronutrient panel to see what's actually being influenced here. Yes. And if you had a negative TPO and thyroid uh, antibody assessment, but you still were dealing with hypothyroidism, then you'd probably want to lead with the micronutrient over the MRT. Because remember, the MRT would be looking at autoimmune activity and inflammation for sure. So just sure. to kind of distinguish priorities there. Awesome. And I'll link to that lab as well um, for you guys. So now let's get into my favorite part. Um, let's talk about food as medicine for stress and thyroid support. So, you know, I've, I've mentioned within the constructs of supplements, it's really important to optimize our antioxidants um, because those are going to protect the gland from destruction, basically. Um, so antioxidants are so important to help to protect the gland from stress hitting it and also from inflammatory processes. We also want to look at foods that are mineral dense because these are going to help in the activation of our thyroid hormone. And there are certain minerals like zinc that play a role with actually the TSH or thyroid stimulating hormone as well. And then we look at B vitamins, which tend to get depleted from stress. So big connection there. Um, you know, the reality is like every cell and organ in our bodies, the thyroid and the adrenals, which are in this HPA axis, they require specific vitamins and minerals to carry out our day-to-day -day function. So the most crucial minerals of focus first are selenium, magnesium, and zinc. So selenium and magnesium help the body to more efficiently recycle its iodine stores and preserve the function of the thyroid gland. They also help to activate the thyroid hormone. And then zinc again plays a role in that conversion and also helps with the TSH. Uh, we also see connections with zinc and magnesium deficiency and anxiety. So super important there, you know? So again, not only it's kind of a chicken and egg relationship. So if you optimize your magnesium status, maybe by adding that relax and regulate, you also could help to reduce your anxiety, which might be the fire or that Achilles heel that's burning out the thyroid anyway. And by optimizing your magnesium, you're in the moment activating that conversion. So you can get both an influence on reducing the stress access activity and improving the thyroid when we work with nutrients and food as medicine. So Brazil nuts are the best form of selenium that we think of. Uh, we have an awesome recipe on the blog for Brazil nut milk made two ways. Uh, so definitely check that out. And um, we have Brazil nuts chopped into our, I think, keto, is it keto granola? I think it's called. Yep. The keto granola and then our herb roasted nuts in the cookbook also feature sure. Brazil nuts. Yep. So great way to incorporate those. 
that having about one to two Brazil nuts a day is actually going to provide you with ample selenium. And then magnesium can first be found in our leafy greens, which is why everyone in our keto program has to have two to three cups of leafy greens every day. And then zinc is found abundantly in beef, huge proponent of grass-fed beef, oysters, dark meats in poultry, like our, our thighs and such, and then in nuts and seeds like pumpkin seeds, uh, almonds, and cashews. It is important to mention, I've been like chowing down on the bags from Costco of pumpkin seeds, which we talk about a lot for zinc, but it is important to mention that pumpkin seeds actually have more copper than zinc, and often copper can throw off your zinc ratio. So you probably want to work on some of those other biological forms of zinc in addition to the pumpkin seeds, which I know we speak to a lot as a good source. I never thought of that. I always get the same, <laughs> the same bag, that green bag of this. Uh -huh. I have it on my desk literally right yeah. now. And I just yeah. was like looking at them and I was like, oh, well, that's really yeah. important to note because I feel like I always recommend like eat pumpkin seeds with blueberries. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Zinc copper ratio and anxiety connection. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think my favorite prescription within that is oysters right now. It's like that time yeah. of year, springtime. We just went to an oyster happy hour on Friday. Love it. Best. We did some <laughs> of those in LA and um, I actually haven't had oysters recent. Now I, I ate a lot of oysters um, when I lived in Houston, but I am a big fan of sticking to the colder waters over the Gulf. Oh yeah. <laughs> so just PSA there. Yep. We paid the extra dollar for the um, <laughs> East Coast oysters Prince versus Island the Gulf. Or, yeah. <laughs> So next okay. in the food list is antioxidants and B vitamins. So my favorite way for you to bump up your antioxidant intake beyond eating real foods <laughs> is focusing on herbs and seasonings and spices. So being abundant like they do in other countries. Um, so adding a lot of turmeric, ginger, basil, rosemary, cilantro, cumin. Cumin is a great source of that glutathione. Um, so adding these in abundance to your soups, your recipes, all of the recipes we use are very centrally focused on fresh herbs and spices for this reason. And then packing in the produce. So beyond the two to three cups of leafy greens, getting a good rotation within your sulfur-containing vegetables like your broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels, getting healthy fats from your um, antioxidants in your avocado, almonds, nuts, and seeds. And then another great form of B vitamins is liver. Um, I'm going to be working with Becky. She'll photograph it, but I'm working on a um, pate with nut butter with chicken livers right now that I'm doing with like a jammy thing. Um, and yeah, with flackers, uh, flaxseed crackers. Okay. Um, so liver and egg yolks are great uh, forms of B vitamins that are very bioavailable and will be a great food as medicine support for your thyroid. And then lastly, I would have to ramp up vitamin C. So this is another antioxidant, um, but not in the B vitamin family and, and different from the herbal forms, like we mentioned for just general antioxidant, because adrenal function relies on vitamin C. So vitamin C optimization can help with modulating your cortisol response. It can help to reduce that reverse T3, which is the break on activating your T3 active hormone. And it can help to reduce anxiety and um, overexcitatory stress demand. It can also help with the exercise recovery and it aids in quality sleep for your REM cycles. So using your citrus skins, um, using your bell pepper, camu camu as a superfood, 
elderberries and berries in general is a great form for vitamin C. And we have an episode in the early 70s on three micronutrients of focus and vitamin C is one of those. So you can learn much more about that in that episode. Oh yeah. I'll make sure I link that because we've got some good ideas in there. Great. Awesome. So how about a couple more recipes to just tie everything together? So we talked about the Brazil nut milk and talked about talked that keto about granola, granola yeah. herb roasted nut milk, uh, excuse me, herb roasted nut mix in yes. the cookbook. <laughs> uh, the maca cacao fat bombs are another fantastic recommendation. Um, so we'll put a link to those. Maca helps the pituitary gland from burnout. So that will help the thyroid as well. Uh, roasted almonds with nori and sesame. I've yet to make those, but I am making them this week. Oh, they're like crack. They're so good. <laughs> I've heard they're amazing. Um, so I need to make those. And then um, the crunchy spice chickpeas also would be a great one. Um, if you're doing a carb up or carb cycle and or if you're not in keto, um, they have a really great form of choline and selenium, excuse me. And that's going to reduce the inflammation on the body and the thyroid uh, gland and help with that thyroid function act act activation. I think we're done with this episode. <laughs> Optimization. <laughs> um, so those all sound like really delicious options to help to protect the thyroid gland from damage of stress and promote optimal gland function. So we hope today's episode was helpful to you and that you're able to use food as medicine and quality nutritional su supplements to help your body thrive. As always, check out the show notes at AllieMillerRD.com backslash podcast and we will link to all of the recommended recipes and supplements, or you can jet right over to AllieMillerRD backslash shop and go to supplements to learn more about products that are pure, safe, and effective. And every time you purchase through our affiliate links or buy direct from our website, you continue to support our messaging and our effort to bring food as medicine to the masses. Yes. Yes. Um, thank you for that, Becky. It's so important. And you know, we always vote with our dollar. So we appreciate that. Um, as always, uh, you can also go over onto iTunes and you can leave us a review beyond just clicking that five star. If you can leave a sentence or two that really does support our algorithms. And we would love to hear back from you about how you're enjoying the show. And if you have a copy of the Naturally Nourished Cookbook and soon to be anti-anxiety diet, if you're listening to this as an archive, please also do us a favor and head over to amazon.com and leave us a book review as well. That also helps with the recommendations of, you know, you might enjoy this fill in the blank podcast or book as far as other people learning about all the information that we work so hard to bring to you guys. So we hope that today you feel empowered on reducing the stress demand to your thyroid gland. We hope that you've learned about some new tools that you can bring in to support your body on a supplemental level and definitely some food as medicine solutions and maybe some advanced lab assessments to get your body to the next level of optimized function and thriving. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well. <laughs>